It is March 20th, 2018. My name is Joel Tillis. And you are in the Soul Trap. Thank you for taking the time to tune in wherever, whenever you take time out of your day to listen to this broadcast. We appreciate it. We consider it an honor. And we just want you to know that I never take it lightly to be able to come and share my thoughts with you and hopefully you to be able to share your thoughts with me. The easiest way to do that is to follow the Soul Trap on Facebook. You can also message us there and we'll try to get back to you just as quickly as we can. You can also reach me via email, pastortillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. That's pastortillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, many of you have contacted us already and we appreciate it. We look forward to getting to know you and getting to know you even better. There is so much going on in the news, so much that we can discuss and so many different things that we could be talking about, but today we're going to deal with something that's probably a little bit of a, uh, an old hat around the soul trap, but one nonetheless that I think bears returning to from time to time. Um, if it's something that you're already familiar with, then I'm sorry, you'll just have to bear with me or amen me or something somewhere in between. But I want to talk to you a little bit today about Catholicism and more particularly, I want to talk to you about the subject of the Jesuits. Jesuits are nothing new to those of us that are students of the parapolitical and even the paranormal. Um, Jesuits and Catholicism is nothing new for those of us that are familiar with prophecy, with Bible, with church history. But I wanted to return to it because as I look at the affairs that are taking place in our country, I look at things going on around the world, it is hard not to recognize and believe, as Epperson wrote in his book, The Unseen Hand, that there, there are connections to be made. There are forces at work behind the faces, even behind the quote-unquote spooky groups that we may think run the show. The truth is there's powers that be behind the scenes. And I think they've been there for a long time. I I believe that most of the nefarious forces are in fact independent operating groups organized around the same spirit and spirits. What I mean by that is, is that just as I have no need to check with another preacher on the fundamental principles because we are operating from the same world of view. So I believe that many of the groups that are often discussed in the parapolitical and paranormal world have no real need to necessarily meet behind closed doors and smoke-filled star chamber rooms simply to figure out which direction to go. Now, that being said, when we look at the Council on Foreign Relations, when we look at the Trilateral Commission, when we look at the Bilderberger groups, when we look at uh, uh, the Bohemian uh, Grove, Obviously, I think these groups do get together, and I think that that is a fact. But what I'm trying to say is is that as Danny Casalero in his book or his unreleased book before he killed himself uh, for no apparent reason by cutting his wrist 12 times after his life work mysteriously all but vanished. But I digress. In Danny Casalero's unfinished book, uh, The Octopus, he postulated that many of the tentacles operate independently but yet they are all connected to the same head. Now that does not mean that, that there are not certain groups that do have uh, 
um, certain powers of influencing other groups more than others. But what I'm saying is, is that behind the scenes, most of these groups operate independently. But if you were to look at the world as a pyramid, I think the closer you get to the top, there are certain identifiable groups more than others. The more you get to the top of the pyramid, the more you begin to see that there are certain groups whose names may change down through history, but yet whose circles remain tight enough that they are actually the mechanism, the operational machinery by which the spirit, Satan, rules this world as the God of this world, according to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And I believe such is the case with the Catholic Church, and even more deeply, the Jesuit movement. I believe that Jesuits in the Catholic Church is at the very height of the pinnacle of the functioning apparatus that Satan uses to guide the material affairs of this world. It is, without a doubt, one of the darkest groups there are in human history. Without a doubt. And Jesuits are simply the latest incarnation of the spirit that reaches back through antiquity. If one were to do a very detailed research, I believe it is possible, as Hislop has done and others, to research the mystical and religious priesthood of Satan all the way back to the times of Nimrod, and probably all the way back even further into the Garden of Eden. But for our discussion today, we will focus on the Jesuits and some very interesting connections specifically that they have with Baal. Now, we're going to do a little bit more probably than we, a little bit more Bible study than we would normally do on the soul trap. But I think it's important to simply see connections between Jesuits, the Bible, and Baal worship. I bring this up because recently in an open forum on a Sunday night, and every Sunday evening at our church, we have an open forum Q&A session. Uh, I have a Bible institute that I teach our men at 5 o'clock. We have our regular morning service, regular Sunday school. But then on Sunday night, it's a little bit of a relaxed session. In fact, I digress here just a minute. But the first Sunday night of every month, we jointly as a church go out and do evangelism. Uh, and I started that a couple years ago because I didn't like the concept of, you know, three or four people banging away on a Thursday night or Saturday. I think to be a part of the local church, you should be involved in evangelism. And we do it as a church. Great, great time. We enjoy that. The other three Sunday nights are open form, question and answer. Some of it, most of it, probably 80% of it is off the cuff. Some of it are written or emailed questions that come in. Well, we were having a discussion the other night, and a guy came up, and he was referring. He's one of my good men, and I love him, but he was referring to Catholicism and the priests, and he talked about, and he used the term Baalite. He used the term Baalite. And, of course, he was making reference to the priests of Catholicism. But when he used the term Baalite, I watched the question mark flash over a large portion of the people's faces as they tried to process what he was talking about. And then, as we briefly talked about the connection between Catholicism and Baal, you could see that there was even more questions. And so I took some time to answer this, and I want to delve into this with you and me together here on The Soul Trap. You may be one that already sees these connections, and if so, I hope that this really just edifies and strengthens your faith. But if not, I think it's important to understand that Catholicism and the Jesuit priesthood is not simply a misunderstanding between Protestants and Catholics, nor is it a a simple matter of, of false doctrine, 
versus correct doctrine in the format of Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses versus true Christianity. No. As serious as those other two cases are, we are at a whole other level when we're talking about Catholicism and in particularly Jesuits. Jesuits. Catholicism is an intentional satanic group. It is an intentional satanic group with one particular drive that can be found throughout scripture and identifies them as one of the power players in the mechanics that Satan uses to rule the world under the sovereign allowance of God. How dark really is the Catholic Church? How dark really are the Jesuits, the quote-unquote special forces of the Catholic Church? How deep does the rabbit hole go and how connected on Jesuits uh, how connected are Jesuits to the things that we see going on around us? The short answer is, I think, darker and deeper than you and I could ever really imagine. Now, we start with a man by the name of Avril Manhattan. Avril Manhattan is not a Christian, not that I know of. But he was a prolific writer in regards to the Vatican and global politics, Although he does not approach it from a religious point of view, the consequences and the power with which he wrote is undeniable. In one of his books he has written called The Vatican-Moscow-Washington Vatican, Alliance, he states the following on the back cover as way of introduction. He states, The Vatican plays a vital role, a vital part in history and world politics, as well as biblical prophecy. The Vatican is currently playing along with both Russia and the United States. Of course, you have to put this into context now. He was writing this back in the 60s and 70s, but don't we see it going on today? He says the Vatican is currently playing along with both Russia and the United States. Historically, she has always gone with the winner and always leaves an escape hatch for herself. The great prize for the Vatican is the U.S. She is closing in by preaching a Marxist gospel in Latin America and Mexico and using immigration to flood this nation with Catholic adherence. What's fascinating is he wrote this uh, almost four decades ago. And what's the, one of the biggest problems that we have going on right now? Immigration. He goes on to say, but for Christians, this is actually a spiritual problem. We must be aware of the behind-the-scenes activity, but our response must be to win the Roman Catholics to Christ. Now, I take the time to read that to you because I think it is important that you understand. Here is a man who has done great research in what he sees as an intentional plan for the destruction of the United States. But who is at fault? Is it Putin? Is it Hillary Clinton? Is it George Soros? Or is it that those are puppets? And if they're puppets, who's pulling the strings? The Jewish bankers? Maybe. The Illuminati, maybe, or could it be the people that have pulled the strings for the last 500 years? I reference these works here because it's important that you and I understand that this is not just something that is hatched out of somebody's ear, something that some Baptist comes up with. Avril Manhattan took a great deal of time and wrote. In fact, I believe one of these seminal works on the issue was written by Avril Manhattan in a book called, and I have it here in front of me, called The Vatican and World Politics. The Vatican and World Politics. Let me read just a few brief snippets here. He states on page 26, 
He says, but whereas the exertions of the USA and the USSR are followed with growing apprehension, those of the Vatican, in other words, the activity of the Vatican is rarely scrutinized. Now notice the next statement he's about to make and listen very carefully. Yet not a single event of importance that has contributed to the present chaotic state of affairs has occurred without the Vatican taking an active part in it. Let me read that to you again. Not a single event of importance that has contributed to the present chaotic state of affairs has occurred without the Vatican taking an active part in it. He goes on to state, what are the goals of the Vatican? The annihilation of communism and of Soviet Russia, the spiritual conquest of the USA, and the ultimate catholization of the entire world, which, mind you, would run right along with Revelation chapter number 13, Revelation chapter number 17. Notice what he says, if you don't, well, you don't have the book, but listen to what he says here as I quote. He says on verse number 26, The importance of the Vatican as a diplomatic center is enhanced in wartime. For doing hostilities when diplomatic contact between belligerent countries is cut off, the warring nations can get in touch with each other through the Vatican. The services rendered and the knowledge thus gathered from both sides gives the Vatican enormous prestige in the eyes of lay powers. For these and other reasons, during the First World War, countries hastened to send their representatives to the Vatican— Germany, Switzerland, Greece, Protestant, Great Britain, France, even Russia. By the end of the war, 34 nations had permanent diplomatic representation accredited to the Pope. During the Second World War, that figure was almost doubled, and great countries such as non-Christian Japan and Protestant United States of America sought means by which they could be represented at the Vatican. The United States of America, by resorting to the diplomatic device of sending a, quote, personal ambassador of the president, the Japanese empire by accrediting an envoy with the full rank of advanced ambassador to the Holy See. Now, again, I reference Avril Manhattan because it is important that you and I understand that we're not talking about simply a bunch of back (laughs) trailer park, uh, uh, fundamentals somewhere, being mad at the Catholics, although I think that might be valid in some cases. We're not talking about something uh, that, that is you know, silly. We're talking about a monster. We're talking about a monster clearly seen by many other people outside of our own camp and sometimes to the chagrin of true Christians who seem to be so strangely willing, like W.A. Criswell, like Billy Graham, like many others, like James Robinson, like Joel Olstein, so willing to partner up with a man that is the Pope, that is so vile, and the head of such a disastrous, monstrous, villainous organization. Now, there is also another writer by the name of Father Malachi Martin, and I put the father in quotes. He is a Catholic and considers himself to be a conservative Catholic, but he wrote a book called The Jesuits, The Society of Jesus and the Betrayal of the Roman Catholic Church. Within the pages of his book, which is a very astute and interesting book, although written from the wrong point of view, he says that the Jesuits are far more powerful than anybody could possibly even imagine. Again, these are writers outside of our own group, and yet, like so many others, they see 
the dark beast that is the Catholic doctrine and the Jesuit leadership. If you're looking for a book now that merges both history and doctrinal truths together, I cannot highly, more highly recommend a book by a man by the name of Dave Hunt. The title of the book is called A Woman Rides the Beast, the Roman Catholic Church in the Last Days. In the book, he deals with the understanding of who Mystery Babylon is, the Catholic Church, along with understanding the profound confusion and the profound intention of this organization of deceiving the world. Now, another writer puts it this way, when we, trans, when we transfer a little bit from, from these books more to, to more of a oh, current events slash historical context. One writer puts it this way. He says, today as part of this satanic scheme, the evangelical Protestant church is being drawn seductively back into the Roman Catholic Church, largely through what we call the Jesuit agenda. Incredibly, while the evidence is obvious to some, the majority of proclaiming Christians are not at all aware that it is happening. Who are the Jesuits? Since its foundation, the Catholic papacy has been brutal in its endeavor to establish the kingdom of the Pope. And understand, that's what it is. It is not the propagation of the doctrine of Catholicism. It is the establishment of the kingdom of the Pope. The Pope, mind you, who is believed to be by the Catholic Church, the vicar of Christ. In fact, the Pope has been referred to as the vicar of Christ. This determination to to establish a kingdom was witnessed during the Inquisition, where countless thousands, if not millions, died cruelly, for resisting Rome. The famous book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, describes many of these atrocities. And while many believers in Christ during the Reformation period attempted to spread the truth that God's word was truly God's word and cannot be squandered and kept hostage by the papacy, it was not long before the Counter-Reformation was founded to bring these, quote, separated brethren back to the mother of all churches. This Counter-Revolution This counter-reformation, to be specific, was largely headed by a man by the name of Ignatius Loyola, the man who founded the Jesuit order in the mid-1500s and launched an all-out attack against those who dared to stand against the papacy and Rome. The Jesuits were commissioned by the Pope to do whatever it took And I do mean, ladies and gentlemen, whatever it took to end the Protestant Reformation. In in 1540, there was a document called the Constitution of the Jesuits. It states, quote, Let whoever desires to fight under the sacred banner of the cross and to serve only God and the Roman pontiff, his vicar on earth. Notice the co-equality there. Serve God and the Roman pontiff, his vicar on earth. After a solemn vow of perpetual chastity, let him keep in mind that he is part of a society instituted for the purpose of perfecting souls in life and in Christian doctrine for the propagation of the faith. Let all members of the society know and let it not only let it be not only at the beginning of their profession, but let them think over it daily as long as they live that the society as a whole And each of them owes obedience to our most holy Lord, the Pope, and the other Roman pontiffs, his successors, and to fight with faithful obedience for God. Hmm. 
So who was Ignatius Loyola? Well, after a serious injury in the military and during a lengthy rehabilitation, this man, born 1491, died 1556, turned his focus from military enthusiasm to what was called a ghostly fanaticism. Ignatius assumed the name and office of Knight the Virgin Mary, seeing himself as Mary's favorite. Ignatius wanted to start a new order, the Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits, and presented the idea to the Pope. He told the Pope that the idea had been inspired by quote-unquote heavenly revelations. While other monks of the order sought to separate themselves from the world, the Jesuits would be exactly the opposite. They would do the exact opposite. The Jesuits went into the world and obeyed whatever command the Pope, their Lord, we just quoted, would give them. Often this was to win the world with the sword. No violent act was ever withheld if the order came from their top general. In time, the Jesuits entered the educational system, especially that of the Protestants. The Jesuit maxim was, give us the education of the children of this day, and the next generation will be ours. Reverend W.C. Brownlee stated it this way, They pretend to be converted and to enter into Protestant churches. One Jesuit even boasted that the Jesuits were successfully able to imitate the Puritan preachers. They used trickery and deception to become, quote, all things to all men. Within 48 years, there were over 11,000 Jesuits around the world, a rather large number for that particular day and time. The influence and infiltration into the United States by the Jesuits was even significant. In fact, and I'm not quoting here, but I am referencing a direct quote. Abraham Lincoln believed with all of his heart that it was the involvement of the Jesuits that spurred the Civil War to its breaking point. In 1857, Reverend W.C. Brownlee compiled a book of translated documents called Secret Instructions of the Jesuits, found on the Boston College Library's website. While Catholic sources say that the secret instructors Instructions of the Jesuit is an untrue document, of course, what are they going to say? There is enough evidence, however, to indicate that it is true. Naturally, it is so indicting against the papacy in the Jesuit order that one can understand from a human point the view that Catholic sources would say that the document isn't true. But when everything is laid out and the research is done, the facts are that the Jesuit order was performing brutal, cruel acts to bring the world, quote-unquote, to Christ and to the mother church, and that they were infiltrating every area of society to do so. And that is the key, ladies and gentlemen. That is what we're getting at here. Whereas before groups would go and they became distinct, the Jesuits had a clearly different model. Their model was infiltration, insurgency. They wanted to infiltrate science, politics, technology, education. They infiltrated it so as to have greater influence. And this cannot be denied. In fact, Brownlee's book would be a worthwhile read for those who wish to understand more of the Jesuit history, the oaths that they take. It is fascinating when you begin to read. So the question then becomes, is there a traceable and clearly defined footprint of Catholicism and Jesuit history in history. 
I believe the historical answer is clearly yes, and there are thousands of documented ways in which to discover that. But there is a great book called The Secret History of the Jesuits by Edmund Paris. Of course, it is accurate and right, and so oftentimes it is discredited. But let me just read several things from you about the involvement and the history of the Jesuits. On page 24, he writes, The fighting spirit developed more and more as time went on. Beside foreign missions, the activities of Loyola's sons started to concentrate on the souls of men, especially among the ruling class. Politics are their main field of action, as all the efforts of these directors concentrate on one aim, the submission of the world to the papacy, and to attain this, the heads must be conquered first. And to realize this goal, two very important weapons, to be the confessors of the mighty, and those in high places, and the education of their children. In that way, the present will be safe while the future is prepared. Education. Jesuits. Give us your children today. We'll have control tomorrow. Very fascinating. Another quote in this book is on page number 29. Talking about the uh, Jesuits again. The quote states, finally, Gregory XIII bestowed on the company the right to deal in commerce and banking, a right it made use of extensively later on. These dispensations and unprecedented powers were fully guaranteed to them. One of the richest organizations on the face of this earth is the Vatican. <laughs> Just on a side note, if you want to put together politics and money, I'll give you one guess who originally owned the Watergate Hotel. It was built by a subsidiary company of, wait for it, yeah, the Vatican. Harris's book on page 34 makes another astounding claim. It says, wherever a dynasty dies, I can see rising up and standing behind her a kind of bad genie. He's quoting a man by the name of Edgar Quintet. A bad genie, one of those dark figures that are confessors, gently and paternally luring her towards her death. Page 37, another very important quote here on page 37. A man, an author, being quoted by the name of Tomic, states, The height of the Jesuits' power coincided with the country's greatest decadence in her national culture. It's talking about Germany. Let me read that again. The height of the Jesuits' power coincided with the country's greatest decadence in her national culture. It is because of the influence that order had that this unfortunate land's awakening came about one century too late. The deep misery which followed the war of religion, the powerless politics, the intellectual decadence, the moral corruption, a frightful decrease in the population and impoverishment of the whole of Germany, these were the results of the order of the Jesuits' actions. Now, I could go on. There are many quotes, and I highly recommend that you take a look at the book when you have the opportunity. But what I'm trying to convey to you is, is that when you look at history, author after author, both Christian and non-Christian, state, yes, it is very easy to track and to see that the Jesuits are highly involved. Shadowed, yes. Plausible deniability, yes. But are they still there? Absolutely. 
And it fascinates me that modern Christians today, modern Protestants, modern evangelicals, modern Baptists have no problem whatsoever or seem to have no problem with their quote-unquote Catholic cousin. I think that's one of the blights when one of the tragedies of Billy Graham, W.A. Criswell. What are these people doing? Do they not understand? Are they blinded to the horror, the hell, the demonism that is the papacy, Jesuits, Catholicism? It's fascinating. When you look at World War I, the same book I just mentioned on page 117 of the book, there is a profound statement. I read it just a little bit today, that part of the war, the part of the cause, a large part, was enhanced in World War I by the papacy. Let me read just a bit for you here. It states, the Holy Father, who started a conversation, and it's talking about an internal meeting that took place, the Holy Father, who started the conversation by mentioning our energetic steps taken in Belgrade, he made some characteristic remarks, quote, it would certainly have been better, said His Holiness, if Austria-Hungary had punished the Serbians for all the wrongs they had done. He had something against the Serbians. They were trying to make some political moves. Nothing really was taking place for that. They had to leave it alone. And if you don't understand all the nuances now prior to World War I, I'm not going to get into it. But what I want you to get is this next little statement. However, the affairs dragged on in 1913. In other words... The Pope wanted something done to Serbia, Austria, Germany. There was a big thing going on, but they weren't able to get it done. Here's what happens. On 28th of June, 1914, the Archduke Francois Ferdinand was murdered in Sarajevo. The Serbian government had nothing to do with this crime committed by a Macedonian student, but it was the perfect excuse for the Emperor Francois Joseph to start hostilities. The start of World War I, exactly like what the Pope wanted at that time, was by a Macedonian student who was attached to a group that may very well have direct links, or at the very least indirect links, to the society of the Jesuits. Can you track them through history? Yes. Are we seeing them now? I would submit to you, yes. Not only are we seeing them on the stage of politics and government and behind the scenes and education now, but we see that around contemporary Christian music. You would be flabbergasted to find out how many of it is connected with Catholicism, the resurgence of mysticism, politics, philosophy, education, even science, the cutting edges of research in science. There you find the Vatican. Let me quote, not just my own opinion, but let me quote Gordon Cooper, a NASA astronaut. He says, you want to know about UFOs and little green men? Contact the Vatican. They have an observatory out in Arizona, and that's what they're looking for. I mentioned it just a minute ago, but Father Malachi, Ma uh, uh, Malachi Martin, who was a direct advisor to three popes, states this way, the highest levels of Vatican administration and geopolitics know that now Knowledge of what's going on in space and what's approaching us could be of great import in the next five to ten plus years. So, we see that the Jesuits, Catholicism, very profound. We see that. But now the question that we have is, do we find this 
in Scripture? I think we do. And when we get together again, I'm going to draw some direct correlation between a Baalite and a priest.